to you from the Yard Dogs Podcast Studio. A show for the fans by the fans. Talking all things Cleveland Browns from our mic to your ears. To your ears. With your hosts, Jason Hand and Mikey P. Yes, and welcome to the Yard Dogs Podcast, the show for the fans, by the fans. I'm your host, Jason Hand. You can find me on Twitter, at Browns Huddle. You can also find this podcast on Twitter, at Yard Dogs Pod. If you're a Cleveland Browns fan, have a story to tell and want to share it, hit us up on Twitter. Our DMs are wide open. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star review, and please share the show because sharing the show helps more than you'll ever know. We are streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can find the Yard Dogs podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. While, while you're there, give us a follow so we can remind you every time a new episode is available. Well, joining me now is my co-host, my co-pilot, my partner in crime, Mikey P. You can find him on Twitter, at MikeyP422. Mikey, how we doing tonight, buddy? We're doing good, man. How about yourself? You, you know, I'm I'm doing good. I got to tell you, I'm I'm a little sore. We were talking pre-show. Yeah. I'm still sore, man. I feel like I got into a car accident. You still feel that way a little bit? Yeah, it's, I'm a little, still a little sore from... Uh... From Sunday's uh, pre-Super Bowl football game. Yeah, so for, for the listeners, you, you may not know this, but uh, s- Sunday I'm sitting on my computer getting my fantasy lineups all straight for the for the game, and I get a text from a buddy of mine asking if I wanted to come play a pickup game of football, uh, flag football. So I said, yeah, I would love to. You know, I haven't played football in a long time, and as I was getting ready, I said, you know, let me let me reach out to Mikey P and see if he's game. And I did, and you were. So we both met at a local park. And what would you say? There was about twenty of us, maybe. Yeah, there was about twenty, about twenty people. Probably. I mean, we at any point played a nine on nine game, an eight eight on eight game. Yeah, and for the first ten minutes, I felt very much in shape you know I was running around slinging the ball as hard as I could but uh you know right around the second quarter um and after getting hit a couple times I realized that I'm not in the you know in shape like I thought I was (laughs) this was a a good surprise during the game we had a car pull up and a guy popped out and said hey y'all looking for one more and uh, he was a big guy. I could tell he was probably like a hundred yards away. And but we all said, "Yeah, come on." So he went and parked his car. And I, I, I turned to the guy next to me. I said, "Hey, if he pulls his cleats out of his trunk, he's on my team." And sure <laughs> enough, he had cleats in his trunk, and he was a big dude. Uh, turns out he played defensive tackle for the Seattle Seahawks back in 2012. So. Yeah, he actually, um, I, I did a little uh, uh, looking up on him. He actually, when he played at Washington State, he was a interior lineman. So he was actually a guard at Washington State for four years. Yeah, so that, that was a surprise. It's not every day you get a former NFL player pull over and say, hey, can I join you guys playing some football? But uh, No, it's not. It, it was it was a good time. I mean, we had, uh, I mean, we had adults, we had kids, we had grownups, we had people of all ages. Uh, you know, we had old guys like you know yourself and myself, and uh, 
And then, like I said, the later that day, we were both feeling it and still feeling it a couple of days later. Uh, but it's always nice to get out there, and uh, that was fun. We need to make that a like a Super Bowl tradition, though. We we do. So so Big Jim Norton, that's my friend. He said that they play every Super Bowl Sunday at noon. So maybe maybe we'll have to to continue that tradition next year and join them again. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was a great time. And and you don't know this, Mikey P. You had to cut out early, but your co-host, me, uh, led our team to a game-winning drive. I was, I was, I was, I was a quarterback and I had a pretty rough first half. You know, I threw a couple picks, but it came down to the end and, and we made a, an announcement that the next score wins. We, 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 our defense, uh, you know, held them on fourth and two. So we, we got the ball first and 10 and I hit my buddy, uh, big Jim Norton. I hit his daughter, 13 year old, uh, Charlie is her name for 62 yards and she almost made it to the end zone. Uh, but somebody, you know, we're playing two in touch and somebody, uh, kind of, you know, tackled her and she fumbled the ball. But after uh, further review, we realized she was down by contact. So it was first and goal. And then I hit Elijah in the back of the end zone for the game winning touchdown. So that's how that went down. Nice. P. You're like, so, uh, you're like Tom Brady out there. I, well, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I, I feel like, um, you know, I woke up yesterday. I felt like a, a one-man band, you know. Um, everything was cricking, cracking, and oh, yeah. popping. But, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. doing better. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I uh, I had to share, you know, on Facebook that we were out there. And I was like, you know, me, me and Jason Hamm were out playing football. And I said, you know, I felt that, you know, Tom Brady could, could still play at 44 years old. Why can't I still play at 42? And I said, I said uh, I was very much like a Brady on Sunday, just more like Mike Brady as opposed to Tom Brady. <laughs> well, don't cut yourself short. You were slinging that rock real good the first half, distributing the ball to your teammates and marching them down the field, and you threw some touchdown passes as well. I did. So. I did. You got. You got to. You got to bring it out after a little while. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was a good time, good weather, um, and uh, you know our bodies will heal. And I'm definitely looking forward to that next year, Mikey P. Me too. Um, well, Mikey P, we're in the third week of our Browns backers worldwide month. Um, let's see. We had David Evan Smith all the way from Australia the first week. And then last week we had Kevin McAndrews on the show from Chase Browns backers in Lakewood, Ohio. And this week we're going to bring in Mac from the big easy Browns backers. So, um, we're honoring the largest organized uh, sports fan clubs in the world, uh, the Browns backers. So next week we're going to finish it off with John Hand. He's going to come. He uh, has a uh, Browns club. It's not an official Browns backers club because of you know they're too close to an official club. But but they have a they have a fifty to sixty barking dogs every week. So so John Hand's going to come next week and talk about the Phoenix North. Browns Bar, located in Phoenix, Arizona. We're, we're definitely looking forward to that. But before we get to that, we have Mac. He's, he's going to join us on the stream, coming to us all the way from New Orleans, Louisiana, the Big Easy. Um, we're going to talk about the Big Easy Browns backers. Let's go ahead and bring him in the yard. What do you say, Mikey P? Let's bring him on. Let's go ahead and welcome Mac 
to the Yard Dogs podcast. Mac, welcome to the yard, buddy. What's happening, gentlemen? How y'all doing? Super fantastic. Awesome. But but I'm getting better. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm just glad to hear that you guys have video review in your touch football game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah we, challenges and everything. We, we, we had the sky judge, you know. Um, uh, and, oh, by the way, if you're playing backyard football and the, the ball sails in the air and it hits the tree limb, does that count, Mac? Does that – is that a – That's a replay. Oh, that's a replay. Okay. That's a dead ball. Unless it's caught by the offense. Gotcha. Because, see, when I grew up, power lines and, and tree limbs, that's, that's the 12th man. Yeah. You know? You, you, that that counts, but you're saying it. I guess it depends on what part of the country you live in as to whether that counts or not. So, right. you know, it, it's all neighborhood kids. That remind when you guys talked about that reminded me what we would do every year. Um, and usually it was snowing. Is we had we held the ML cable on Martin Luther King Day every every year. Uh huh. The elementary school geared up. I was wearing my Hanford Dixon jersey most of the time. And we would go out, and we played tackle back then, but you couldn't catch me playing touch or flag today. No, I, mean, I was questioning my decision uh, yeah. about an hour into it. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm retired. I'm down, I'm down here in the Big Easy. I want that humidity. It's good for the joints. And when I moved down here, I realized why old people move south. You want that heat and humidity. It's good for the joints and the bones. No doubt about it. No doubt. Well, well, Mac, uh, once again, welcome to the yard. We're going to talk about the Big Easy Browns backers as we're celebrating Browns Backers Month on the Yard Dogs podcast. But before we do that, let's talk about your Browns fandom. Tell us um, how, when you started to become a Browns fan, maybe who was quarterback. Uh, let's hear all about that. Now, I'm going to be real young, but um, in my earliest, I, I, really, I do remember Brian Sykes. So I wasn't, uh, you know, in on those, you know, cardiac kid years, but I, I was born a Browns fan at, with the history of the cardiac kids. Okay. So come, coming into that, uh, like when Kozar hit, I'm in my prime. That's me at eight, 10 years old or whatever. When I was real little, my brother and I shared a bedroom. But once I got old enough, I got my own, it's a real small bedroom. It was like an office or whatever. So it's finally like, all right, you're five years old or whatever. You get your own bedroom, six years old. And my mom said, you can have, uh, you can do whatever you want with the room. Paint it however you want. And I'm like, cool. I want browns, orange, and I want browns, you know, the what the thing that goes around the top edge, whatever that's called. Yeah. The border. The, the border. The border, yeah, I remember and that. Everything, there was not a single thing when you walked in my room that was not browns. Nice. So that's that's the era, and uh, what were those little figures called? The starter, starter guys, or whatever. Starting uh-huh. lineup figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was all those guys, and you know, stuff from the games and whatnot. Yeah, but that, I grew up in that era. I got my Ozzy Newsom jersey on. He's always been my number one. I do. Uh, speaking of that, I want to uh, give a huge shout out uh, to Doug Deacon. A giant thank you for everything he's done for the Browns since since he got drafted, basically. Yes. I mean, an absolute legend uh, as far as Cleveland Browns go. And them uh, naming the booth after him, I just thought was the most respectful. And, man, did that make me happy. So, yeah, that was my era uh, of growing up. And, 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 you know, there's some pretty big shoes to fill, whoever take Doug Deacon's spot 
in in the booth. Is there so, any, is there any uh, like even uh, like any word of what might that be? Or are they doing tryouts or what? I, I mean, I heard Joe Thomas's name. That that man sitting right next to you. Yeah, has been mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Don't know. I just don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know what the, the financial situation looks like. What a team can pay versus like what what he's making with the NFL Network. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. It depends on that. You know, hometown. I mean, that would be absolutely perfect. But he has such a good thing going. It has since he retired. But he also may be able to still continue to work for them. Like he might be able to, like, hey, you know, I'm going to work for you guys. It's on Sundays. I'm going to do the game. So, you know, because I think he, most of his work is the Thursday night game. So I don't, I guess I don't see why, unless he's doing the Thursday night game, why he couldn't. He's got my vote. Oh, yeah. He would definitely have my vote. But uh, he's, he, he, I, I'm no Jim Donovan, but he's my co host today. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Josh Cribbs would be a good guy, I think, to in in the in the booth. Yeah, I, I would love it if it was a Browns guy. I yeah, think, I think that just you know I'm a little traditional, but I, I think that would be wonderful. It, it would definitely have to be a former Browns player, I think, to to take that spot. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, even uh, Tim Couch, I think I think that would be a, a good guy to to put in that spot. But we'll have to wait and see. I mean. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see who they get to fill that spot uh, to to replace Doug Deacon. Yeah. Um, let's get into your Browns backers club, Mac. The name of your club is the Big Easy. Love it. We were, we were saying pre-show that uh, you know, man, if I ever get to New Orleans, I'm de- that's I'm definitely coming to the Browns backers, uh, the Big Easy. You're right, right there, right in the the thick of things. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Big Easy Browns Backers Club. Well, um, first of all, COVID ruined everything. But <laughs> <laughs> so before that, I, I actually um, live with my buddies, so I live in a different neighborhood. I'm I'm right in the French Quarter now. Um, but I lived outside of the quarter and there was another Browns Packers bar and I went there and there was a good crowd and, um, they're still out there. I can't remember the name of the bar or I'd shout them out, but, um, there are people out there cause I talked to people that came, um, to, uh, my club who said they had, they knew they were out there, but for whatever reason, they stopped showing up on the app or, you know, they're no, no longer listed as an official club. Mm-hmm. And I spent the, the year previous. I sat by myself. They would give me, because it's a Saints bar, right? They would give me one TV in the corner, like stuck behind the pool table. Yeah. I sat on a stool and just look straight up like first row of a movie theater. But they're friends of mine. So they always hooked me up with one TV, no sound. And then uh, it was actually the last preseason game. And I was like, wait, what am I thinking? And I'm friends with the owner, uh, Joel. It's MRB bar. 515 St. Philip uh, in, in New Orleans, corner of St. Philip and Decatur Street, right right in the French Quarter. And okay. I asked him, um, I went through the, the process of uh, applying, and you need the bar. And I asked him, and he's like, yeah, that, that would be great. And uh, so I applied through. They hit me right back up. I will say this. Uh, the folks in Berea that do the back end, like run the backers worldwide, are absolutely fantastic. 100% professionals. They're just an absolute dream to deal with. I love them. So yeah, that's a, good to hear. It was the last preseason game of this year. I applied, and they're like, "Well, you need four people or whatever." So I'm like, mm-hmm. "Mom, Dad, Brother." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Cool, I got five. 
and set it up. And uh, it, it turned out to be absolutely awesome. It really, uh, the crowds that we get are absolutely unbelievable. So the way the bar is set up is you have the regular bar when you walk in. Then there's a beautiful courtyard, which is real common back here. But then there's these cow, then there are uh, food, like a little food uh, kind of hut. And to the left of that is like cowboy doors, which you would assume is like an employee only section. Okay. And it is. It's mo- mainly locals go back there because you would never know that if you go back there, there's another courtyard. Oh, man. So he gave me that back courtyard. And um, the beauty of that is so we get, even during Saints games, when the whole front bar and the other courtyard is full of Saints fans, we get the back uh, courtyard that has two TVs. We have sound. Uh, the first game we did, I brought, uh, I have a Bluetooth boombox, but like an old school 80s boombox. Uh-huh. Bluetooth. And I would play the uh, radio broadcast. Um, it was like on an eight second delay or whatever. And then they figured out for me how to get the sound, because uh, it was Saint sound, so they could turn it off. And then they figured out how to get the sound back there. And the best part is uh, they have movie nights back there. They have a projector. So it's a probably 10 10 to 15 feet tall, 20 to 25 feet wide, uh, you know, a blank wall. So Monday night, Thursday night, Sunday night games, you're watching the game on a, a movie screen. And so even during Saints games, we have the full back courtyard, uh, both TVs, movie projector, and sound. So so, they, so this is your first year yeah. as a Browns backers club. And yeah. let, let me I, ask you – I've been a member of a club out in Seattle. Uh-huh. Uh, this one, yeah, I, I signed up for it and got it started. And uh, mainly so when people were on vacation down here, that they would, when they looked us up, they had a place to go. Mm-hmm. I commend you, man. A- anytime you step into faith and start something, even if it's a Browns backers club, because you, you, you're going by faith that people are going to start catching on and come and support the club and you, you're going to have a good turnout and it's nervous. Probably the first week you're like, oh man, is anybody even going to show up? It's like um, the dreams almost. Yeah, know? you build it and they will come kind of philosophy. Like, is that the way it went down or was it like week one? percent it was like throwing a party and wondering if anyone's going to show up. Right. So I'm sitting there and I've got a couple of the locals that are like, you know, they'll show up after the end of the first quarter, you know? And to be honest, so I, I was really nervous about it. And the owner who is fantastic, he's, uh, he's not like a really like, uh, like I'm pretty out there, you know, it's like, you know what I'm thinking. He's really calm, cool. He's a business owner, you know? Sure. And, I was nervous after the first few weeks that he was disappointed because there weren't a ton of people and I'm taking up a whole chunk where Saints fans could be. And then the fun part there for the Saints games, they have a DJ like on a stage because they do live music. And so like when something goes down, they go, (laughs) (laughs) and then like during commercials, they cut the sound and he'll play music like hype music uh, and then bring it back. And I talk with him. Uh, one week and he's like he's like uh i was talking with joel the other night and he's like he's so excited uh how well that this turned out and he's so excited that you're bringing new people into the bar every week and that was like that said it all for me you know because that finally was it but there's days i've been out there and uh the uh so Bria sent me out you know like a gift box or whatever so it's like placemats uh pins pennants Mm -hmm. 
uh, beer koozies, and I set it up. I've got the flag up. Uh, I got Joe Thomas bottle in his head, and I uh -huh. set tables like that. And then I'm sitting there by myself, and then one by one by one, and we uh, we probably maxed out at about fifty people, uh, but we we're consistently at 30, 40 people a week throughout the season. Wow. See, okay. So you're having 30 to 40 barking dogs at the big easy Browns backers every week. That's awesome. That's, I mean, that's a good turnout. Well, and the, yeah. thing, the thing that um, is interesting about it is at most there were six locals. So you're looking at uh, four of us, uh, myself, uh, a couple and a college kid that were, we're, we are solid consistent. So if we're getting 30 to 40 people, there's only four that live locally. That means each week is a completely different group of people. Wow. So we're, getting, we're getting crowds that big just of people on vacation finding us through the app. That's awesome. Yeah. And since, so, since you have your buddy Joe there, I, you know, you mentioned starting a lineup earlier, and I had to, I had to bring old Bernie over. Yeah. <laughs> I love Bernie. He's man. <laughs> What a, what a great, uh, what an absolutely fantastic guy. So that's the other thing I wanted to say when you asked me earlier. Like, I've got photos of myself uh, with Ozzy, uh, Doug Deacon, Jim Brown. Um, that's when I keep on my phone to show folks when they're coming. I'm 12. I've got the, the Miami Vice hairdo. You know, it's me and Jim Brown. It's. Uh, <laughs> I just remember growing up, the players were all, like, you would go to, like, Higby's or something. Right. You know, there'd be a line of two, three, four hundred people and go through and they would take the time with you, sign autographs, take pictures. And I just think it's a, such a classy organization always has been. Do, do you guys have a, a, a like a signature drink for Browns backers? That, you know, I know New Orleans, when you go there, they, they, they have signature drinks. That's kind of their thing. Do you guys have one yet or is there plans to make one up? No, that's not a bad idea for year two. Yeah. I like the sound of that. That does uh -huh. remind me, though. Yeah. That, and he, uh, when he, he's like, hey, when I get home, I'm going to send you the Muni beer. What like, is that? Muni. Oh, there you go. Because <laughs> like, there's no way I'm getting that down if, uh, from Platinum. Is, is that the India Pale Ale? Yeah. The, uh, yeah. And it's really good. Yeah, the Muni well, lot. The problem, the problem is, so I was like, oh, I'll make sure I bring this and give it, you know, to my buddies. But when he mailed it, it was the bye week. <laughs> I got to admit, <laughs> I was the only one to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> but my intentions were right. <laughs> what What are your guys' turnouts like? on Mikey P, you mentioned this. Sometimes on Sunday night games or Monday night games, Thursday night games, sometimes the turnout isn't like you would expect. Do you guys still have big turnouts for those games, the nationally televised games at your Browns backers club? No, no you're, you're absolutely correct. No, um, The Thursday night, uh, that's when I remember, uh, that was a really small group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the weekends, that's when the tourists in. Because a lot of people are flying in. I did talk with people that weekend that I met later on wearing Browns gear. And they were disappointed because they caught, like, the fourth quarter when they landed in the airport. You know, right. so a lot of people were coming in on a Thursday or Friday, leaving on a Monday. So, yeah, it, the Sundays are perfect. Yeah, Sunday 1 o'clock seems to be the prime time. Yeah. Or it'd be what 
Yeah. Noon, noon for you, or two o'clock for you, or two o'clock for you, right? I mean, noon o'clock. No, I'm sorry, we're noon. we're uh, an hour behind Eastern. Okay, so yeah, noon 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 would be a one o'clock kickoff for you guys then. Yeah. Oh, and uh, you asked about the specialty drink. I did want to mention uh, MRB, where where we do the uh, group, is the best kept secret in the French Quarter for oysters, charred grilled and raw. Love it. Lo- I'm a big fan of oysters. I the wish I liked them. Unbelievable. Dude, Mikey P. It, it's like eggnog for me. I try I try to like it every year. Wait, wait. And I one? fail. I've tried yeah, them fried. I've tried them raw. I've tried them, you know, oysters Rockefeller. I just, I'm just not an oyster guy. Oh, I've only eaten one oyster in my whole life. <laughs> it had so much Parmesan on it. I'm like, all right, I'll try it. And then I ate it. I'm like, this is all right. Yeah. No, nah, I'm not an oyster guy. But they have um, people love them. They have the best potato salad in New Orleans, made by a woman named Bree. Uh, it's her grandmother's recipe. She learned from her mom, and everyone, because I mean, folks from the Midwest love their potato salad. I know I do. And I say, you like potato salad? I make all of them get it. Just a side of potato salad. It's so rich and creamy. It's amazing. But the food there is unbelievably fantastic. I'm trying to see who said this. Oh, Jared Bates. Road trip. Jared Bates says uh, we got to do a road trip. Yeah. To to, to New Orleans. That's, that's tell you what. How far how far is a drive from uh, New Orleans to Carolina? Like Charlotte. Carolina. Charlotte. Civic for me, buddy. Like the Carolinas. Yeah, like Charlotte's on the west coast. I mean, it's like the west part of. I think it's if I'm not mistaken. I think if you if you drove straight, you'd get here from Cleveland in 24 hours or so. Okay, that's not too bad, Mikey P. Well, we I'm looking. I'm looking. We were, you know, we're trying to put a road trip together next year, and we've looked at Carolina because we have uh, Casey that lives in Greenville, and uh, Charlotte is like 10 and a half hours from you. Okay. You're about ten and a half hours from Charlotte. So you know, we're 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 talking about a we're talking about a road trip. Do you guys get a lot of visitors from all over different parts of the country that come visit your Browns backers bar on Sundays? Absolutely. Not only uh, we we get a, obviously a ton of folks from Cleveland itself on, on trips, but we have a lot of Cleveland fans that now live elsewhere in the country that are coming in New Orleans. Okay. So it is a, a big mix, but most of the folks are originally from Cleveland, uh, but they do come from all over the country. That, that that's got to be kind of cool because you know you're starting the day not really knowing who's going to show up, and then just people just start coming. And hey, I'm from here, I'm from there, yeah. and you get in good conversations, you build relationships. Um, that that's got to be a good feeling. I'll get a handful of uh, folks that either email me direct. Um, or text me or through Twitter. Um, but that might be two or three max. And the rest of the people just show up. You have no idea where to get uh, a fun one. So uh, my folks uh, retired down to Florida outside of Tampa. And they're members of the, um, I believe it's uh, Brandon Browns Packers. Mm-hmm. And so we had these folks and they said they were from Tampa. And I, I, I always, I go around, I introduce myself to everybody. Uh, I'll bust tables. I bring people menus. You know, I just really try and be a host as well and uh, chat with everybody where they're from. And uh, they were like, oh, we're from Tampa. And there's like three 
Browns backers within the Tampa area. So I hit my folk. I took a picture of them. Uh, hit up my folks and was like, where are you, which one are you guys at again? And it turned out that they're from the same Browns backers group as my parents and they all know each other. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Um, all right. So you're, you're new. This is your first year as a Browns backers club. You probably, I might be mistaken, but you probably haven't had a former player visit your chapter yet. Um, but if you had to choose one former Cleveland Brown, who would you like it to be to visit the Big Easy Browns backers? Yeah, the Easy Jim Brown. I would love to sit and chat with him. Uh huh. What a, just a, forget football. Just what a phenomenal human being. Um, but uh, if not him, I mean that's just an absolute legend of humanity. Uh, and then uh, I mean I, I got to go with Ozzie Newsom. He's my favorite Brown of all time, um, and just uh, just such an outstanding. Uh, person, I got in an argument with the guy. He's like, he went to the Ravens to blah, blah, blah. oh to be the first black general manager in NFL hi- history. What a jerk! <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come on, man. And he so, did such a terrible job there too, right? Right now, jeez. So yeah, there, there's so many. Uh, I mean, it's going to be that era growing up. Uh, one thing I do want to say uh, from that is, uh, you know, obviously, all seen Believe Land. Hmm. Yes. I thought one of the, I mean, it brought me to tears. I thought one of the most impressive things was Ernest Biner's apology on Believe Land. I thought that was so heartwarming and genuine, and it just gave me a complete different perspective on him as a human. So Ernest Biner, I'd love to have him uh, just to hang out. But there's really nobody that I wouldn't want to have, to be honest. Right. And and what was so genuine about it, and and actually, everyone just remembers the fumble. But if you go back and and rewatch that game and the highlights, like it was the Ernest Biner show. Like he was pretty much touching the ball almost every other possession. I mean, almost every other play. And he was gassed by the end of that game, to where it almost looked like you know that might have played a, a role in, into the fumble. But he owned up to it. I mean, he, he wrote a book on it and. Yep. Unfortunate part, you know, like you said, everybody fumbles. Every, you know, everybody's going to have a bad play. But and if I'm not mistaken, that wasn't even to win the game. That was to tie it, right? We would have just tied the game, correct? Yeah. We were down seven. No. That's what you know, what bothers me uh, when people say, "Oh, if this would have happened." Here's the thing: let's say a, a, a missed field goal, and then at the end of the game, it's you lost by three. Well, wherever the ball is placed at that time. You just change. I mean, if you want to get into like quantum physics or something, <laughs> anything that happened after that, you've changed the course of reality. So you can't say from that point forward, this or that would have happened. Right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everything. Yeah, very easily. We score, tie it, and uh, then we get the ball. After that, then what happens on the kickoff? There was no kickoff. Yeah. That means the ball's here. Everything from that point forward is a brand new beginning. So you can never say, if this happened, that would have happened. Because as soon as the new moment starts, a whole new reality is moving forward. Yep. So that's, yeah, it's, it's I so know that's a little esoteric, but. <laughs> and and, the, and the, the Broncos beat us in a couple different ways back then, right? Yeah. I mean, they had the drive, which was unbelievable, uh, crazy, you know, and then you had the fumble. So um, they just yeah. had our number back then, man. It, yeah, it, was, really it was tough like- to watch. Yeah, really strong, really strong memories for me. 
And then uh, 89, they just waxed us. Yeah. And that, like I said, I mean, that's when I'm, I'm living in an orange room while that's happening. <laughs> Uh, it's it's why I tell people all the time when when they're like you know I don't know if I could go through heartbreak like that I'm like every day I would trade being like people talk about Buffalo this year like I don't know if I could ever get over a loss like that yeah you, you'll get over it all right well that that one's a little much <laughs> what was that you'll get over it eventually but I'll trade that that loss still any day over. One in fifteen and zero in fifteen type seasons. Like give give me those brutal losses where they're just gut wrenching, demoralizing. Like instead of just getting waxed every game. Well, <laughs> it, it, that's that's funny because so when the Browns left Cleveland, I I was just done. I go I gave up on the NFL. I go this is a business because of the history of the team. I go that's not fair to the city. What a huge football city. Um, and I, I just was, it, it just really made me look at football as a business instead of a game for the first time in my entire life. And I checked out, I stopped watching. Even when they came back, I was like, I don't care because I hadn't watched football in so long. I had no idea about any of it. It wasn't, I was living out in, uh, in Washington state at the time. And so this would have been like Hasselback, whatever back in the Hasselback era, when they made it to the Super Bowl. My friends were all up on Seattle. So hanging out with them, of course, I'm going to watch football. And I started to pay attention a little bit more and just piece by piece. And then I finally was like, you know what? I got over it. And I'm like, I'm a Browns fan. I'm a lifelong Browns fan. I mean, they stunk the whole time. So it wasn't a big deal to me anyway. Right. I go, you know what? I'm back in. I'm all in, back with the Browns. And then they what, one in 31. <laughs> So, so you you weren't a hundred percent on board when they came back in '99. It took you a little, a little bit to, to get back on board with the Browns. A single Browns game, unless it was on in a bar somewhere, until they went one and thirty. Yeah, and I wow. Every single one of those games. Wow. Yeah, you picked a hell of a time to come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, got, uh, I got a funny story for you. So I was uh, in the Seattle Browns backers. Oh, one. So uh, it was halftime of the game. And so we're outside at halftime, just catching air. And um, I'm talking to this guy like, hey, where are you from? And he's like, Chardon. I'm like, oh, uh, my cousins are from Chardon. I told him the names. And he's like, wait a second. He pulls up on his phone a picture of him and my cousin from a charity golf event two weeks previous. What? <laughs> yeah. That was all the way out in Seattle. He was in town on business. Oh, wow. So, the um, the big game out there, Seattle Browns backers was an entire Browns bar, and the there were probably two hundred people there. It was huge, and we were playing the Steelers. And at the end of the game, uh, uh, Seahawks fans started coming in because the Seahawks game was on next. There was no room. They literally were standing against the window at the front of the bar, right from the inside. The rest of them were outside. Because the place was so packed, they couldn't get in. And that was the, when we tied, this is the game we tied the Steelers. Okay. So it's a field goal. The whole place goes dead silent for like two seconds. And then it erupts like we just won the Super Bowl. <laughs> and the, the Seahawks fans are looking at us like we're crazy because they're like, we just tied a game. And people are jumping up and down, beers are spilling, hugging each other. 
It was so epic, but it was so funny to me that Seahawks fans were watching us like in the the best of Russell Wilson's era. <laughs> right. We're absolutely nuts for celebrating a tie like this. Oh my gosh. My brother was at the, uh, they uh, purposely picked game three. I believe it was game three against the Jets. Uh, uh, Baker's rookie year. Uh, yeah. him and his brother-in-law, they go, what game do you think Baker's going to start? At? And so they picked game three. What he came in a couple, two, three minutes before halftime. Mm-hmm. They were at that game when that went down. That's a game I would have loved to better. Wow! Now were you were you in New Orleans for weeks? Because week two that week we were uh, that year we played at New Orleans. No, I was not there for that. That was the uh, that was the Tyrod Taylor where he, he hit Callaway on the in the bomb on the bomb. Yeah, I think it's another two years, but it's. Um, it's uh, Saints are going to be in Cleveland. Yeah, next time I think Saints Saints are in Cleveland. You're right. Yeah. So how many? Uh, j- let's put a bow on the the Big Easy Browns backers. How how many members do you guys have currently? Well, like I said, it's the first year. I didn't. What I should have done is like an email list and that. But then we could have got a bunch of members. But it's going to the numbers wouldn't be right because it'd be people from all over that may or may not come back. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, we got, we've got big crowds, but there's there's only a handful of us that are here every week that are local. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and uh, follow up question to that: We're in for a long off season. I, I think we have thirty weeks until the Browns take the field again. That's a it's a long off season. Do you guys have anything planned for your chapter uh, off season get-togethers, maybe for the draft or, or something like that? Well, we hang out anyway. That that bar is like the local bar. So, yeah, we do that. Um, we'll probably do something for the draft. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say the main thing for year two, going through it for a full year, I understand how it goes. Uh, you know, we want to do more raffle. We had a big raffle plan for the playoffs. I got a hunt. Uh, I do want to give a, a couple of shout-outs. So, uh, on Twitter, it's at Golf. Like W A C K I N G O F F. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she sent us out a an awesome stitched hunt jersey. Oh, oh nice. Because we were gonna do a the raffle for uh, and donate that uh, for Hurricane Ida uh, uh, support. Okay. Uh, so for next year, uh, I'm gonna find a uh, an animal shelter. So we're gonna do a dogs based. Um, and we'll have uh, raffles every week, so I really want to really want to get that going. Um, that's that's the big one for that is really make sure that we have the, uh, the do do some giving back because I think that's one of the most important parts of the Browns backers worldwide is being able to get that and give back to local communities. No doubt about it, Mikey P. Uh, you've been a member of the Tidewater Browns backers for for quite some time. Um, what what are some of the things that you guys do during the off season to get together? Because part of the Browns backers is just building relationships, and sounds like you guys do a good job with that in New Orleans because everybody's meeting at the hometown bar, anyways. But but Mikey P, what are some of the things you guys do for in the off season to get together? Uh, well, we'll we'll have a we'll have our uh, end of the year party, which we usually always kind of do in May. That kind of concludes the we call that the end of our year or April April or May typically. We'll get together for the draft. Um, with the Cavs being 
um, good again. It looks like they're going to make the playoffs. We'll probably do some playoff watch parties. Uh, we did that uh, a lot during like the 2014, I'm sorry, 2015, 2016. It's like 2015 to 2018 run every time they were in the playoffs. Um, and then that kind of brings everybody and keeps everybody together because, uh, you know, we're, you know, obviously we're a little bit different. We have um, continuous members, but we also do have some visitors with it being a large military area. Uh, so we try to stay together as much as possible. Of course, you know, COVID ramping up as it did kind of uh, dwindled our numbers near the end, but we're hopefully, you know, as the weather gets warmer, that that won't be an issue and we'll be able to get together and have some uh, end of the year party type stuff. And, um, and we, I mean, we just did an event uh, for the Browns backers a couple weeks ago. We did the uh, polar plunge two weekends ago. So we did that, and that that benefited Special Olympics. So always trying to do something uh, that goes towards charity, and it's it's good to hear uh, you know Mac talk about you know giving back to like the the Hurricane Ida outreach. Uh, funny story I'll share. Like uh, uh, one of the clubs, uh, I don't know if you remember when they had those uh, storms out there in uh, in Oklahoma that were really bad a couple months ago. We were able to pull pull some funds together um, to help people out when those that those terrible tornadoes went through and tore some stuff up pretty good. Uh, they a lot of their members uh, were were impacted. So um, that's the one thing that's great about Browns backers groups. Like from all over, they will they find out somebody somewhere um, uh, is going through something or needs some help. Like they they're amazing about stepping up and and really helping. And, and being there for one another. It's 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 a tight knit group. Like you don't see a lot of uh sports teams have uh chapters like that that are that that are this you know tight knit and, and really uh go above and beyond for one another. It's just a Cleveland thing, man. Like it's I don't know what it is. Like you, you can't describe it. Like uh my wife is like, kind of married into it. She says there's just something about people from Ohio, like she goes they look out for each other and they will stick up for you in a heartbeat, boy. She's like, she's like, it's just, she's never, she's never seen that before. She's just, it's very interesting to her that, you know, we're very tight knit and we look out for each other and uh, we'll defend each other too in a heartbeat. <laughs> no doubt. Um, well, uh, let's go ahead and move into the, Next uh, segment, Super Bowl recap. We just saw the Super Bowl this past Sunday. I thought it was an excellent Super Bowl. Um, the Los Angeles Rams defeat the Cincinnati Bengals in a close one, 23-22. I want to give a shout-out to Kevin McAndrews, uh, our guest last week, Mikey P. He was one point off in his prediction. He had the Rams winning 24-20, to and he would have been dead on had they not missed that extra point. So shout-out to Kevin McAndrews for, for getting the, the closest on our, all, our three predictions. He, he definitely got it right. And uh, I want to say, I, I think the final the line was, uh, what, Rams by three and a half. So um, I, I, I have to admit, you know, I took the Bengals plus the three and a half, but I did come out. Even though they didn't win, I just still came out on top. <laughs> That's all that matters, baby. That's all that matters. For the betting line. But uh, it, was a, it was a super, super close, tight game. Um, it was very – both defenses really – uh, played lights out. I mean, in, in all reality, like uh, it, it was 
wasn't easy sledding. Like the Rams, a uh, few drives were were uh, uh, lengthy in, in time, and but that last drive to win the game was what fifteen plays, I think. Um, you know, the Bengals had one. They had that really one big play uh, to start the second half. So, and it was a, it was a it was a uh, even though it was twenty three to twenty, like both defenses definitely showed up. Yeah, I mean the the Bengals defense, uh, you know, they pretty much shut down the run. Um, you know, both both the running backs for the Rams, I think they averaged just over a yard and a half per carry, which isn't squat. I mean, you know, wow. the, the Bengals held their own. Just the the Rams, they made more plays than the Bengals did. You know, Cooper Cup coming clutch at the end. Uh, you know, when the game was on his shoulders, OBJ was out of the game. Um, might be the end of his career. I don't know. I mean, that's going to be if it, if his uh, ACL is torn, that's going to be a heck of an injury to come back from, especially right. the the time of year that that it happened during the Super Bowl. Um, Mac, what were your thoughts on the game? I know you watched it. Uh, it, it was an exciting uh, Super Bowl. But what were your thoughts on the Super Bowl that we just watched? Well, first off, the, the whole playoffs were unbelievable. I, Incredible. I, I, I'm, if, if somebody says that this is the best uh, playoffs and the Super Bowl, uh, p- best postseason NFL history, I'm not going to say they're wrong. Uh, it was absolutely unbelievable. I didn't even know if I'd be watching the games. It was great. Uh, the thing to keep in mind down here, uh, first off, Saints fans are amazing because they love Browns fans. Because remember, back when, and when we first started, like, when did you become a fan? They were mm-hmm. wearing bags on their heads. Yeah. For a decent team. So they were the Aints. The Aints. Yeah. The Aints, exactly. Um, but the thing is, down here, keep in mind also, Joe Burrow, they wear the, the um, jerseys that's that uh, Burrow ends with E-A-U-X. Correct. Because of what he did for LSU, everybody mm-hmm. down here is going for the Bengals. Um, I've got some good friends from Cincinnati that hang out at the same bar. So I, I'm not one of those Browns fans that wasn't pulling for the Bengals. Uh, Joe Burrow, real good guy. Doesn't matter to me. I mean, say, I think one of y'all said it last week. If it was the Steelers or the, or Baltimore, not a chance. Not a chance. Let them have it. They seem like nice guys. They haven't beat us. So I'm cool with it. It was a great game. It was really exciting. I At the beginning – I felt bad. I was like, this is going to be a blowout. They got no chance. And all I want in a game that the Browns aren't playing is a good, exciting game. I, I think for me, is what, like a lot of people were wondering why I was rooting for the Bengals. And I was like, it's not that I like the Bengals. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have Bengals gear in my man cave, or I'm not going to be rocking a Bengals hat if they won. Right. I was like, but for me, I, I look at it like you have some of these sports cities, and I feel like L.A. is one of them. Like, they're very spoiled. Like, I don't know if you guys got to, to see it. I was looking earlier at their ratings for the Super Bowl, which they said it was one of the highest rated Super, uh, Super Bowls of, of recent note. But the the top ten markets for, uh, for the ratings were not even um, – it was like Cincinnati, Columbus, Cleveland, uh, Minnesota. It was all these Midwestern regional markets. Like LA wasn't even in the top 10 uh, TV market. Um, and I'm like, sometimes those fans out there, like they've had the Dodgers uh, success, the 
the Lakers success. Uh, the Kings have won a Stanley Cup. It's like same with Boston. It's like when sometimes when you get these small market teams in there, the teams that haven't won tradition. I want to I want to see those teams win. Well, forget, forget the sports success. They're spoiled by the weather out there. Exactly. <laughs> um, Mac, I agree with you. The 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 quarterback play in the playoffs and the Super Bowl were unbelievable. Um, unfortunately, on the AFC side, there are a lot of great quarterbacks. Um, you know, Joe Burrow found his way to the, the to the big game for the AFC. Um, you know, in the Super Bowl, we saw two different ways to to build your team. You know, the Rams. Uh, you know, they made some good trades. They they've been doing that for the past couple of years. They haven't had a first round draft pick in in a number of years. So we saw that way of building the team. And then on on the Bengals side, we see that they they drafted their team. They built it up that way. Mm-hmm. Um, how do how do you think the the Browns need to because I. Although I think we're close, we're not there. You know, when when we see all these teams like the the Bengals and the Bills and the the Chargers and you know the list can go on. When we see all these teams play, of course, as Browns fans, we we say, well, okay, how do we get to that level of competition? How do you put your GM hat on for just a second? How, if you're Andrew Barry, how would you go about attacking this offseason to make our team uh, better? Well, I, first off, I think if uh, if Cincinnati had our offensive line, they would have uh, been Super Bowl champions without question. Um, I, I love Andrew Barry. Um, I, I I think Stefanski's fantastic. I love our front office. That you know they were slow. They built up. They got you know I trust Andrew Barry what he's doing. Um, I think we've been fantastic getting young guys. Um, I, uh, the deep, the way they built the defense and then added to the offense. I think they need, uh, and the, the Bengals, uh, just genius move of putting Burrow and, uh, Chase together. The chemistry was there. You know, like, Hey, it might take half the season. No, those guys know each other. Um, so I think a lot of people are talking about wide receiver with the first pick. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not arguing with it. Uh, but I trust Andrew Berry, how he does it. Um, I love what we've done with the defense. Uh, I really think it's more on the offensive side of the ball, and and what more weapons. I think uh, the the young guys are going to be better next year. Uh, our running game, absolutely amazing, and uh, it's story of the season. Uh, De'Aaron's Johnson, what what a, what a fella! Uh, if you all haven't seen it, uh, if you go on YouTube, uh, put in slow grind documentary. It's like a sixteen minute mini documentary about him. Uh, interviewing his family and his his story, it's just so wonderful and so inspiring. So I think uh, offensive line, running backs were there, and uh, I think you just got to build. And our, I love our tight ends. I really believe it's wide receiver, and you need uh, either one or two really. Dang- I think we have very reliable guys. You need a dangerous, dangerous wide receiver, somebody that just ruins uh, the defensive plan and opens up everybody else. Yeah, you need that guy that's going to take the top off of the defense that you have to respect. Um, and I'm not, you know, Odell got a Super Bowl. Good for him. You know, he, he got in a situation um, 
where he didn't want to be, you know, he obviously, he, he wanted out early on. They, they, they made it happen. We tried to make it work. It just didn't work, unfortunately. Um, but I don't think at the end of the day, like, I think what we did last year uh, when you were talking about the receivers is I think we overvalued our receiver room. Like, we kept hearing how um, great um, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones was looking in training camp. And we're like, oh, he's a legit number one. Um, he's a six-round pick. Like, you know, I think he's a good receiver, uh, but should he be your number one in his second year? Probably not. Um, you know, we were talking about, like, Jarvis Landry is what he is. Jarvis Landry is a very solid number two, number three guy. Um, Odell, I don't think, is is a number one anymore even. Like, even when he went to the Rams, he was at times the number two and number three option, which he fit that role much better. Um, with us, you know, I just don't think we ever had truly that guy that could take the top off of the defense last year or this year. Um, and it, you know, if your tight ends are your, are your main targets, like it's all about yak. Like you gotta, you gotta look at uh, a lot of yak. Like people were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, how good Jimmy Garoppolo is. But I'm like, look at Jimmy Garoppolo's, uh, uh, receivers and their yak, like Brandon Ayuk. Debo Samuel, they're yards after contact, yards after catch type guys. We didn't really ever have that. Like it seemed like our guys, uh, the biggest play I remember from a receiver, like run after catch last year, was in Joku against the Chargers. Other than that, like, is there one play that you remember a receiver um, uh, taking off down the field for like a big, a big, big play? You can't. There's there wasn't any. Um, and I think that's uh, that's something this offense was missing. Uh, you know, Cream Hunt getting hurt um, hampered this offense. And Huge. Of course, and of course, uh, the the Baker, of course, being hurt and uh, and struggling down the stretch, um, that that hampered the offense. Injury, injuries and the COVID was just an absolute killer for us this year. I mean, we were too, it, like for all the bad stuff that happened this year. For people to say like. We were two games out of winning the division. Like, if you make a play here or there, so say say early on we we win that Chargers game, we win the Raiders game, the COVID game doesn't happen. Like, you're talking, you're telling a totally different story going into the playoffs. Um, and I think it, it's I, I I see that a lot on Twitter right now. It's like everyone's like fire this person, cut this person, trade this person, and it's like that's all good, well and done, like for quarterbacks, but. I don't know if people realize this, like uh, quarterbacks that can win even consistently in this league don't grow on trees. Like people aren't just throwing those quarterbacks away. Like I saw people talking about Derek Carr is going to be available. Well, newsflash, the Raiders are talking about giving him $40 million a year. Doesn't sound like he's going anywhere. Packers are trying to bring back Aaron Rodgers at 55, you know, offering him what, $55 million a year. Doesn't sound like he's going to go anywhere to finish his career. Um, Kirk Cousins, like as soon as they're like the main reason, um, that, uh, our assistant GM that went there took the job was he likes Kirk Cousins. I'm like, people aren't just throwing quarterbacks away or, or giving them away for free. Like, I think, I think everybody saw what, uh, and they haven't really paid attention. Like they keep talking about like how the Rams got Stafford. They still gave up two first round picks for him. Yeah, you, you know, and a lot of these quarterbacks that, that were rumored that the Browns are trading for, that these quarterbacks, like you just mentioned, their current teams are, are also in love with them and they're offering them the, the big contracts. You know, Derek Carr, I don't think 
I don't think he's going anywhere now from what I've been hearing recently. You know, Aaron Rodgers, you just mentioned, he, I don't think he's going anywhere. So what, what are we down to? You know, Jimmy G, you know, it, it, would Jimmy G be a better fit than Baker Mayfield on the Browns? I, yeah, I personally don't think so. You have to look at your risk versus reward. And yeah, yeah, you have to look at the risk versus reward uh, scenario. Um, if the customer, I mean, sorry, not the customer, but the risk versus reward scenario. If the quarterback, um, if you're looking at the two quarterbacks and you're like, well, I have this quarterback here and I'm paying him this much. And I have this quarterback that I can bring in and I'm going to have to pay him more and I'm going to have to give up draft capital. Um, like if these guys are analytics, that's, that's going to make sense. And I'm like, I'm looking at the risk versus reward there. If Jimmy G was marketably um, uh, better than, than Baker Mayfield, or you thought Jimmy G could come in here and fit this offense perfectly. And, and he's your, your guy, then yes, you're going to make that move. Do I think Andrew Barry is going to make that move? Not at this time. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, if, if the 49ers were really only offering, like, hey, we're just looking for him, to, like, take his salary on, um, and give us a fifth round pick, then then maybe, maybe, maybe so. But um, I don't. Even, we don't even know really if the 49ers are ready to get rid of him. Like, it, sure, it sure did sound like it. I mean, the the you know like the, the 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 language that they used in the in the press conferences. It sounds like they might be you know, parting ways, but you never know. But I you, mean, I, you know, if the right offer doesn't come, he ain't going anywhere. Right. And, and you have to understand that Shanahan and um, Lynch at that point, if they make that move and move on from him now, where they know he can take it to the playoffs, get you to an NFC championship, even when it potentially could have won a Super Bowl, you know that if that happens um, – and you move on and you bring Trey Lance in there, and Trey Lance is an abomination and just abysmal. Like that could lead to them not being there any longer. So they have to make sure that they're making the right decision too. Like, um, because he played some this year and he, he didn't really ever light it up, or uh, it wasn't like, you know, when Mahomes was coming there playing for Alex Smith, like you, you knew right away, like Mahomes was going to be dynamic and was just going to be a superstar because like the, the writing was there. Like when he came in, he looked, he looked legit. Um, and I don't ever think you saw that with a guy like a Jordan love or, or, you know, or Trey Lance in San Francisco. So I think they have to weigh their, their decision too. And, you know, and then you have the John Watson, who's the other key piece. Like nobody knows what's going on with that situation. So I think, I think that as well. kryptonite right now. I don't. I, I don't even understand why people are talking about it because when the, you're you're in court cases and whatnot, that that just seems like an absolute nightmare to me. I don't know why anyone would get involved, to be honest. And I'm surprised the NFL hasn't stepped in. The one thing I do want to mention about what you were saying about how close we were coming towards the end of the season, mm -hmm. and I'm making excuses about COVID and, and uh, injuries. Uh, the Mayfield injury obviously affected us, but I'm not making excuses about it. I think um, the most exciting and disappointing game for me this season was uh, Christmas at Lambeau. Man, we could have won that game. And what? Uh, just think about how different, even if we didn't make the playoffs, how different uh, people's attitude would be if, like, we beat the Packers. And In we're, Lambeau. We're a team that can beat the Packers. We can beat anybody, anytime. We beat the, the Super Bowl uh, uh, AFC uh, champs twice this year. 
So we're the, the criticism against the team has to be judged also by the positive performances that uh, that you see throughout the season. I know it was a disappointing. It was disappointing for me, but there's so much positive. And to be a, a fan base that went one and thirty-one to sit here and criticize a team that beat the Steelers in the playoffs last year was that not the greatest game? Of oh my gosh! Awesome. You know I'm on such a high with the Browns that I'm not. I'm not going to sit back and nitpick what what decisions they're making. I'm having a fun ride and looking forward to the future. I love what they're doing, and only right. great things are ahead. This this is what I've been saying the whole time. If if 2020 we're eight and nine, people are happy with that. They're like, okay, we were eight and nine, close to the playoffs, some things derailed us, and then if 2021 this year would have happened. The way 2020 happened, where we go 11 and five, uh, and and we make the playoffs, we win our first playoff game. People, are, you know, people. This off season is is totally different, but the, because the years were inverse, like they are, um, and I know Browns fans don't want to hear this. Like, be patient, but you can't. If I've learned anything, you can't just keep blowing things up over and over and over again, like. It doesn't. It doesn't work. Like it, it's. It's been proven the show. Like that doesn't work. Like look at the look at the Yankees. Like here, here's a prime example. The Yankees. Everyone used to say they spent all this money, but I'm like, do you know when the Yankees started winning World Series when they won? Well, they won like what four out of six or something during that run. They they had the same front office, the same manager. They they brought in their own talent and they developed it. And there wasn't a bunch of change. It wasn't the owner just going and firing coach after coach after coach after coach. Like that doesn't work. Like you, you have to have some consistency in order in place for things to be built. Because every time you change a front office, you change a coach. They all want to bring in their guys, or they have. They go and immediately they look at the roster like, okay, well I didn't draft this guy. I'm not high on him, and mis- and, and mistakes happen. Well, that, that's why I was talking about the the playoffs. You know, when when Browns fans see all these teams and you know the, their quarterback play and their their stars, their upcoming stars like the Justin Herberts and the Joe Burrow and um, you know all these players, we we want that. We we all want that. You know, we we want yeah. our team to compete in the playoffs, and we we want to go to the Super Bowl one day. But the the thing about that we're talking about is how do you get there? You know, is it with the current roster that we have, like with Baker Mayfield, or do you take the Rams approach and and make a a trade for another quarterback? I'm with you guys. You know, um, Mac, you said it earlier. I trust this front office. Mikey P, you said this a couple episodes ago. I I trust this front office. I trust Andrew Barry. um, You know, Paul D. Podesta. I trust those guys are going to make the right decision. Do I think it's going to be Baker Mayfield? I I still believe in him. I really do. I I love Baker Mayfield. And it sucks that he got hurt. And I think a lot of our opinions as a fan base are based on him as an injured quarterback rather than what we saw the year prior. You know, the second half of the year prior, he was one of the top quarterbacks in the league. So I'm excited to see Baker Mayfield get back healthy. But 
I trust this front office. I trust that they're going to make the right decision. And whatever decision they make, I'm going to be 110% behind them. I just hope it's with six. And if yeah. I think it was. Um, you don't know. That's what the did the? Gosh, uh, you, you're. If I give you the Donovan quote, because I God, I love Jim Donovan. But remember, he goes. It was after the interception that sealed the game. I believe it was against the Broncos. If I'm not mistaken, correct me. And he goes, and he's running it to the best fans, the most patient fans, right? Uh huh. The dog pound he goes. So we mentioned about patience. It is a patient fan space. And if people want to go nutty online, I don't read any of that. This has been my team since the 70s. Yeah. I'm here for the long run. I love what they're doing. I'll support them no matter what they do. And I believe uh, – I love Stefanski. I love Andrew Barry. Uh, I think that they're building a winning culture. And that culture you've seen over the past couple of years is uh, people want to play here. Miles Garrett said he wants to play his whole career here. That's a Hall of Fame lineman. He's going to go down as one of the best defensive linemen in NFL history. And he has said out loud multiple times he wants to spend his whole career in Cleveland. If you have any doubts as a fan base, who else uh, do you trust besides that guy and his opinion? I don't want to hear somebody's opinion on Twitter. I'll listen to Miles Garrett for now. And I'm going to keep looking forward to the future every single season. Until we get that Super Bowl. <laughs> and that's the thing you have to, to look at. Like, you want guys that want to be here. Like, Odell made it very clear he didn't want to be here. They got him out. So it's best for both worlds. He's happier where he is. The Browns are better. will be better off for it. Like, I know people are going to harp on, well, we didn't make the playoffs. And that's because that's not the reason why we didn't make the playoffs. Like, um, we have to bring in guys that that want to be here and and buy into, um, you know. A lot of people talk about the Patriot Way. Like the Patriot Way was about it's about accountability and 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 doing your job, and that's what you need more often than not. Like you can build your team full of a bunch of superstars, and it doesn't it doesn't always work. We've seen teams try to do that. Um, like. People are going to say the Rams built around a bunch of superstars, but they brought in some stars. Like Cooper Cup wasn't a superstar; he developed into a superstar. But he's a he's known for being a hard worker and an excellent route runner. Like that guy is probably the best route runner in the NFL. Um, is he the fastest in the NFL? No, but is he the best run, route runner right now and probably one of the hardest working receivers? Yes, Stafford. Is a cerebral type guy, not a not a superstar, me uh, first type guy. Like they brought in the right pieces, um, and you know that you know they they don't care about the draft, but they use their draft capital to bring in guys that are that are proven stars and that they feel can work in their system. And that's and it worked out for them. And to be honest, like if, if they could have brought in OBJ, and he could have been unhappy there too and hated it, but. I don't think it would have impacted them because they already had a system in place and, and built around it. You were just another piece to plug and play. You know, no matter what organization you're talking about, whether it be a sports team or a business, big business, one of the key components to being successful is everybody is rowing in the same direction. Correct. 
you, you, you know, um, that that's the key right there. Everybody, not not just the players on the field, but the coaches, the the scouts, the 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 janitors. I mean, everybody's rowing in the same directions, and that's what we're building in Cleveland. That's what I believe we're building in Cleveland, and it just takes time and and patience is hard. It's hard when you you see these other teams that you know the Cincinnati Bengals were. They had the first draft pick two years ago, the first pick in the draft two years ago, and two days ago they were in the Super Bowl. Amazing! Like that is absolutely amazing. Um, is some of it luck? Yes, but I think that every Super Bowl champion, you know, you got to have a little luck in there. But a lot of it is just hard work, hard work, and that's that's what the Browns have to do. I'm excited about this offseason, Mikey P. We're talking. We we have 30 weeks uh, to 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 talk about the Browns, so we have a lot of weeks to talk about the offseason and the moves we're going to make. We're going to talk about free agency coming up here soon we're going to talk about the draft and then we're going to get ready for the 2022 football season um mac any final thoughts for for this episode i i want to give you a chance to give your browns backers a plug just one more time where people can find you also yourself like where can we find you on social media but do you have any final thoughts uh for this episode I don't do any personal social media. Uh, the one that I use, we have an Instagram and that set up, but it pushes you to Twitter. Um, so it's at uh, Big Easy Browns. Uh, so on Twitter is where we do it. We're at 515 St. Philip, uh, right in the French Quarter. It's MRB Bar. Uh, when y'all came come down, just hit the app or go on the website, look us up. We'll be here. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate uh you guys taking the time to chat with me. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, and, yeah, I guess my only final thought is uh, the halftime Super Bowl was great, but the greatest of all time, Michael Jackson. Yeah, that was the what? That was a good one. Bill's <laughs> Cowboys, right? Well, he's bringing the world Pasadena. to you. Yeah. Pasadena. I enjoyed the Prince Super Bowl, too. I'm a big Prince fan. The Prince one. Yeah, that's exactly. They're right Tom there. Petty was up there in the top five, too. I like Tom Petty. I saw Tom Petty live in Texas. It one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah. And that was a good halftime show we had a, a couple days ago. But I would, I agree with you guys. Michael Jackson was definitely – I mean, that was that was one to remember. And Prince, Mikey P, I, I agree with you. I was even telling my wife, Prince, hands down, was the best halftime Super Bowl show ever. Michael Jackson started his performance by standing perfectly still for almost a minute and a half. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. But, yeah, the music is um, – I, I'm so looking forward to the future of the Browns. I really appreciate y'all taking the time uh, to chat with me. And yeah, anybody coming down to the Big Easy, just look us up, man. It's a party every time. Great food and uh, and great people. You had me at food. Hey, and be be thinking about that specialty <laughs> drink. Um, you yeah, know, yeah. Maybe Joel Batonio, you know, we can put, you know, use his name to to make a drink. I don't know. He's he's wild and crazy on that line. All right, one real quick one. So uh, I assume you guys watch Building the Browns. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. The Emmy Award winning Building the Browns. Yeah. There you go. I, I'm what a great the production is so fantastic. So my favorite moment of the whole series was after he signed his contract and they're taking the family picture and he's trying to get his little girl to smile 
He goes, say poop, Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> poop and gets a big drink. So it's just a good look behind the curtain of what his family life is like. What a great guy. I love Joel. He's also one of my favorite players. No doubt. Yeah, he's he's been through a lot and uh I'm glad that it looks like he'll uh more than likely finish his career, you know, as a Cleveland Brown. Without question, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Mac, this was a lot of fun, man. We really enjoy you coming on the yes, Yard Dogs podcast to talk about the Big Easy Browns <laughs> Backers Club. And uh yeah, listeners, if you're if you find yourself in New Orleans, go check them out. They they meet every Sunday and uh you know, Mac will make sure that you're taking good care of when you come and visit the club. So I like to end all the podcasts with the Go Browns. So, Mac, if you'll join Mikey P and I on the count of three, one, two, three, Go Browns! Go Browns!